0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for what you're doing at Spring of Life Fellowship. Thank you for the families that are being added in this place, O God, and they're being restored and reconciled with God. We pray, Father, that your spirit this morning would speak to us, That we might celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ, the victories at Calvary, Lord, that you obtained for us through the redemption plan. We pray, Father God, that we might be strengthened in the inner man, that our souls might be quieted within us, refreshed, O God, that we might find renewed strength in your presence, O God, that we might be strong in the Lord and strong in his grace and in his might. We pray, O God, that your word would not return void today, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that give forth good fruit, O God. We pray that we would not be a religious people, but a real people, that we would be the realities of what the Bible calls the assembly of those made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. We pray, Father God, that this morning we would take in your word and welcome it, and that it would be, Father God, a double-edged sword, sharper, that would pierce our soul and our spirit and allow us to discern the thoughts in the inner man. We give you thanks, Lord, for what will result as a, as, as a consequence of being here in the house of God. We pray that we would have great reward and great return of our time here. We, we know that you're going to do mighty things through our lives, Lord. We pray that we would be laser focused and attentive to your ways in Jesus' name, we pray amen and amen. amen hallelujah if you were here on wednesday night you would have celebrated the lord's supper with you with us if you forgot next month which would be march the first wednesday of every month we celebrate the lord's table Uh, We have to say, if you don't celebrate the Lord's table upon the earth, I want to question whether or not you're going to be invited to sit at his table in the heavens. Let's not despise the things God has granted to us. And Wednesday was a glorious time um, he spoke to us very emphatically about finding rest in this realm of our souls. Uh, A lot of men are are stricken by the, the gravity of the infirmity of their soul. And the Bible says that the infirmity of the soul is reflected in your countenance. So when you see somebody that's downcast and depressed and upset and worried, their soul is overwhelmed and overburdened. But so the ministry of God is to save the soul. We said that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, where it says that the, uh, receiving the, the consequence or the end of our faith Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So the, the soul is in dire straits. We, we know what the soul's issues are in 1 Peter 2.25. That like a sheep, it constantly goes astray. Uh, we, we saw that in the weeks previous during the month of January. You were like a sheep going astray. So the soul inside of man continues to shift allegiance towards other directions. But now we return to the shepherd to the pastor of our souls and if the problem of the soul is that he's going astray constantly then the salvation of the soul is to bring purity into our existence we don't love five wives we love one wife we don't have a double mindedness like James 1 7 says that the man who will receive nothing from the Lord is a soul that constantly is unattended don't uh, for let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. If God is generous to us, it's going to be to the degree that we are pure and are. Holy, set aside for God. Verse 8 says, for this is a double-minded man. The word double-minded in verse 8 is double-souled. A double-souled man has his yearnings in everything but the source of his restoration, which is God. So the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's constantly changing course. And that makes for a horrible existence. Um, We talked about God being one in Deuteronomy 6.4 that the premise of God for man since the beginning was oneness, oneness, that he would have a a purpose of existence that would not shift and uh, be shattered. Here it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He doesn't have multiple purposes for your life. He has the will of God, and the will of God is good, it's perfect, and it's acceptable. Uh, To find the will of God is our pursuit, to find the oneness. So he made man in the beginning, say with me, individual. Individual Individual means not divided. It's scary to see a person that has a double personality, a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde. He's one thing at church, he's another thing at home. Ooh, that's my husband, um, some people say. no. God created the man individual. He was not to be divided in many sectors. This thing about a private life is a very scary thing. Nobody come into my private life. That is a groundwork, say for Satan. That's where Satan works his best. When you are keeping part of your life occult and hidden. That's one of the blessings of coming to Jesus Christ. He doesn't have... A hidden life. He doesn't have a shadowed life. So there's no private life. It's all exposed. It's open to be seen by all people. Psalm 23, verse 3 says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters to green pastures. He restores my soul. This is the issue of man. If you know of any man who is sick, you know that his soul is not well. You know that his soul has issues, unresolved conflict, um, inability to communicate. These things that are going to be shared at the Live, Love, Laugh conference this weekend uh, are priceless, Priceless. You, you couldn't even pay enough money to sit down to hear Clarence Shuler from Building Lasting Relationships from Colorado Springs. He's going to fly into Miami, and he'll be here for two days. And I also invited him to come on Sunday, so we're going to hear from him next Sunday. Absolutely. I met him up in the Northeast. We did a conference together, and I was really touched by this man's heart. I was touched by his simplicity, his sincerity, his humility, his meekness. I I was just blown away that this man, God is filled with wisdom. Him him and his wife, Brenda, will be ministering to us for three days this week. You know what what some people will say? I don't need to come. Really? Wow. It, It just blows me away. That God is serving his riches in a manner that will... Bring wealth to our relationship with our wives. We could pass it down to our children. And there's people who says, no, I got to go sell. I got to go do my business. You're a fool. And I'll tell you right now, you're a fool. You're a fool to despise the wealth and the riches of heaven. Because these are the ones that will allow for your increase. We always use this, this verse in Proverbs 10, verse 22. That it's not your savvy in the business world that gives you increase. But the blessing of the Lord is what gives you wealth. You should memorize this always and say, you know something, I want, to, I want to have the blessings of the Lord in my life because these, you guys have to have a different contrast up here because we cannot read the invisible here. Make sure those letters are in black. You're putting white on white. The blessings of the Lord make one wealthy without sorrow. Now watch this. I know that some men are employed in a corporation. They don't have, they, they cannot take the day off. So I understand that. So these men are subject to a corporation that demands they have to be there or else they won't get a job. So these men are exempt from attending the conference. But those of you that run your own corporation, those of you that run your own time and your own schedule and can reschedule, you need to be here because what's going to be displayed and bestowed way past the $50 of the conference, way beyond the measure. The blessings of the Lord make one rich and add no sorrow, add no sorrow. So here we talked on Wednesday about finding the rest for our soul. What's that mean? Let's go read 2 Corinthians 4.8. This is the experience of the soul upon the earth. It is vexed, it is beaten, it is, it is hit on every side. It says we are hard, not soft, but hard pressed on every side. The person that doesn't admit this is arrogant and proud. What's it mean? That everything is, is, is we're a punching bag. We're getting beat up continually. Our soul is being hit On every side, but we're not crushed. Look how he says it. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. That means that there is a manner in which we overcome the opposition. There is a way that God has provided for us to dodge and to be able to overcome everything the devil throws at us. Often on Monday nights when we meet with the men, the men come severely beat up, not by their wives, but by life, by, by the concerns of this world, by, by the necessity of, of attaining an expression of joy, of peace. And so they said, Pastor, you don't understand. My life is, is a constant assault. And I said, that's right. That's what this life has. In this world, you'll have many problems, many things that will press upon your soul. The verse says, not only are we hard pressed on every side, but we are perplexed. We are confused. There's many decisions that need to be made. And the soul that was created to one, but Satan infected the soul with duality. He split the soul. God says, do not eat off the tree of life. And the devil says, and surely if you eat, you're not going to die. Another voice. And the, 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 the man and the woman decided to split their existence between two voices. Do we listen to God and trust his faithfulness? Or do we say, like the devil, God just doesn't want to give you the best. God is keeping from you the ability to eat. He doesn't want you to see. Your eyes will be opened. And so that was the split of man, the, the individuality. God says it's not good to be man to be made alone, so he gave him a wife. But see, now this individual would meet another individual, and the Bible says that in the covenant of marriage, the two shall be one. Why? He doesn't want us to be split. He gave you one individual, he gave you one wife to be one with. Some, Listen to me, that double-minded man could be a split between a husband and a wife. Let that man not receive anything from the Lord. He's unstable in all his ways. Today, dad says no, mom says yes, yes of course. Today, mom says yes and dad says no. They're not on the same page. They're creating chaos They're creating the atmosphere and the climate of hell in their home. And so every sin known to man is a split of individual oneness. Every time there's a division, it's two visions. God gave you two eyes, but only one picture. It would be weird as heck to have two different cameras focusing everywhere. Wherever my two eyes look at, I see one picture. Because in God's world, oneness is our pursuit. You have one wife. You have, he puts you in one family. The Bible says a house divided will not prosper. So if you're breaking up the house and you have two camps in one house, that, that becomes a curse. That becomes a split. When the Bible says, let the heart of a father be joined to his son and let the heart of a son be joined to his father, with the oneness of a father and son team, Malachi 4 6 says, If this doesn't happen, a chaos, the climate of hell, would be upon the earth. There, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse when the hearts of children are separate from their father. I want to tell you something there's no greater joy, no greater joy than to have you being on the same page with your sons. That's that so awesome. I'm experiencing now, now that my sons are older, they can do whatever they want. They have chosen like Jesus Christ in John 10, 30, where he says, me and the father are one. That was Jesus' mindset. I and my father are one. So if you're at odds with your dad, you have split into the devil's realm. You have forsaken With God's plan for your life. And he's 30 years old when he's saying this. He's not 12 years old. He's not looking up at at God the Father saying, oh, he's my hero because I don't know his defects. No, he's saying me and the Father are on the same page. My desire is to please him. My desire is to honor him. And so everything God created, and we see this in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 3, where Paul says that that we are one in God. Uh, the spirit, we're one in the Lord. We're one in, in the baptism. We endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. That's what, that's what Christianity is all about. That's why people can't stand us. They want to live in the duality of the world of cheating and lying and, and adultery, infidelity. All the duplicitous acts of hypocrites. But here, the Christians are endeav- endeavoring to keep the unity of God's spirit. Verse 4. What is the unity of spirit? He says, there is one body, one spirit. You've been called into one hope. Verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so, all these things culminate in finding a rest for your souls. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Where he proclaims that that come to me all those of you that are heavy laden and weary. Verse 28. Come to me all you who are heavy burdened. I hope that we get the context of where we're talking this. This is just laying a a foundation for what we need to be in our ministry in the world. If you see somebody super stricken and vexed in their soul, their countenance fallen, drug addicts, they're they're into uh, debauchery trying to fill their emptiness, God has given it to you on a plate this morning. God has given it to the simplicity, come to Jesus, all that are labored. And heavy burdened so that I will give you rest. Rest where? Verse 29 says where the rest is found. If you live within my yoke. It, I want you to say that, that, that a yoke is something that restricts an animal. And for some Christians it says, oh, any restriction is not from the Lord. That's legalism and I'm not a legalist. A lot of Christians are into stupidity. They're stuck on stupid. Take my yoke. What's that mean? Take upon you something that's going to keep you plowing the field in the way you should go. I thank God for all his restrictions. David said like this, your commandments are not burdensome to me. They're my delight. Teach me your commandments. Uh, You were faithful to afflict me so I could return to paying attention to your limits, the limits of boundaries. Take my yoke upon you. It's a voluntary act. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And when you find that place of being gentle and allowing God to lead you and to be singular in your pursuit, then you'll find rest for your souls. You'll find that place of refreshing. And so in that place of refreshing, you can begin to walk in the direction of God. Uh, This is how David explained his inability to, to lead his soul in Psalm 43, 5. He would talk like this. He says, why are you so sad, my soul? Why are you cast down? Somebody told me this week, I didn't know I could talk to my soul. Yes, you can. You start saying, hey, buddy, get with the program. This is not over yet. He talks to his soul. Why are you so sad? Why Why are you discounting that God's about? Why are you so disquieted within me? The answer to a depressed, despaired, a discontent soul is to place your hope in God. Understand that, that your soul in God is refreshed. That God's faithfulness to your soul is to quench its thirst. Woo! I like that. I like that. Lady, didn't you know if you ask me, you'll never thirst again? What was he telling her? He was going to give her an endless supply of avian water? No, that her soul would be quenched in God's faithfulness. That everything she yearned for was going to be met. Put your hope in God, for I am yet going to praise him. He is the one that lifts my countenance. He's the helper of my countenance. Some people are ugly. Some people don't need to have sad souls. Some pastors said that this is the plastic surgery By far above any plastic surgery. When joy restores your soul. When joy restores your soul. You're beautiful. You're resilient. Your face shines. and, And it's way above your peers. In a manner that is crazy. And so when he's talking about. Placing hope in God. We need to perfect this. And you'll notice that the people who do. Are the people who have the upbeat greatest expectation of life this was David in Psalm 62 verse 5 I'm going to find a place of restoration and rest for my soul that's being beat up that's being crushed that's being knocked down my soul will wait for the Lord for my hope is from him and only him this is a healthy person why because usually people are looking to other people To medicate their soul. And guess what? That's not going to happen. You're not sad and depressed because your husband does not meet your expectations. You're sad and upset because you refuse to have your expectation come from God. Your goodness coming from the Lord. Your soul waiting silently. That's a work. Because we want to groan and moan and tell everybody our misery. But he says, no, my expectation is from him. I'm going to wait on the Lord for him to do his work in my life. Psalm 130 verse 5, another description of the interaction with the soul. When the psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word I do hope. I'm lodged in an expectation that God is going to meet and surpass the needs of my heart of my dreams, of my expectations. And that's that's how we're to navigate this life. I want to tell you that when when we're in the despair, in the anxiety, in the fear, uh, the description is found there in Psalm 42, verse 1. It's like a deer that is longing to find The brooks, the small ripples of the river that come down. As a deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul thirsts for you, God. Verse 2. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. I want to have the genuine, authentic reception and welcoming of God's goodness in my life. That's why religion doesn't meet this standard. When I come and appear before God, when he quenches my heart, when he quenches my soul. People, when I got saved, I was a starving, starving, starving soul. Uh, My parents didn't understand it much because my father on the physical realm had done the possible and the impossible to attain great gatherings of provision upon the earth. He worked endless nights, endless weeks, sleepless hours providing for our house, and yet we were starved in our soul. We were starved from what we what we longed for. So at 16, when we came to a Christian church invited for the first time, I said, God, you don't understand. I'm prepared now to launch out into this world and quench my thirst in every direction. Every direction. And, and this is where man gets dangerous because he begins to drink off waters God never intended him to drink. He begins to be deceived from the, from the devil in his depression, in his sadness, in his despair. Let, let's go back to, to Paul's description. We didn't finish in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. He begins to say we're persecuted but never forsaken. We're struck down but not destroyed. We continue to suffer in this realm. All the setbacks that happen to us on earthly realm. Our father cannot meet that need. Our mom cannot with her unconditional love. The vast provisions of, of wealth and financial security does not quench the thirst. Until we come before God. Verse 4, this is very powerful. Psalm 42, verse 4, where he says, I'm going to bear my soul before you. This is a healthy exercise where you tell God, look, look what's going on inside of me. When I remember these things, I poured out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I used to run with the crowd. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy, praise, the multitude that kept the pilgrims fast. And yet his soul is lingering in a wilderness. And he says in verse 5, Why are you in despair? Why are you saddened, O my soul? Why are you disquieted? Re- return to the place where your hope is in God. For yet I will praise him. He is the lifter of my countenance, he's the one that heals that expression. We go on to the New Testament, and Jesus sees the condition of man, lost, gone astray, disconnected, somehow or another, no longer walking in God's pursuit. John chapter 7, verse 37. He stands up before the crowd on the most important day of the feast, on the last day of the feast, and Jesus cries out, saying, if anyone thirsts, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and come to me and drink. Come and satisfy and quench your thirst in my provision. In, my, in, in an expectation that God shows up and wonderfully meets that longing of the soul. I can tell you and my friends will tell you. I've been drinking from that place for over 35 years. Without any need to go and pursue any toxic waters, um, we were talking with us a gentleman here who who lived the the greater part of his life in a homosexual pursuit, promiscuity in his university years. Later on, as an adult, and he says uh, he said to us as as he shared, he says, "You'll never know. You'll never know." man's capacity to go and quench his thirst even with rotten water. People are so longing for affection that they'll go into the homosexual relationship to try to get an embrace or a hug. And so all these things that we pursue, all these things that we pursue never come close to quenching our thirst. The next verse there says like this, he spoke of this talking about He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his heart will flow rivers of living water. Listen to me. These are the contrasts a desert wilderness where you are panting for water as a deer pants, thirsty for God, or your life is quenched and your thirst is no longer because you're at the right well. You're at the right place, allowing God to satisfy the deep yearnings of your soul. Let's stand this morning. And ask God that we might go in the direction of His desire for our life. He ends Psalm 42 and verse 11 like this Why, why are you in a state of depression, despair, disconnect? You've been rejected, you've believed the devil's lie. Uh, verse 42, Psalm 42, verse 11. He says like this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you unsettled within me? Have a correct, a correct delineation with God of the heavens. My expectation is from Him and Him alone. Hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. He's the helper of my countenance, my God. And I can tell you that As we're seeking that restoration, the world is waiting for us to get connected so that they could follow suit, so that they could follow our example. The lack of quenching your thirst will cause you to cheat on your wife, will cause you to leave your husband. Will cause you to get up and not be there and be selfish for your children. It will cause you to pursue gold and silver. It will cause you to do things that are very, very twisted, things that, that will bring uh, incredible amounts of shame and destruction. All rooted in that soul that is unquenched. Um, You know, one of the things that I write in the book, What is a Man, is that the man's responsibility is for his own soul first and then for the soul of his wife. And so a lot of men want to buy uh, rings and silver and diamonds and try to quench the woman's thirst. Uh, You know who she's thirsty for? Her soul thirsts for God. Her soul thirsts for the embrace that's greater than man's embrace and provision greater than man's ability to provide. And so this weekend part of satiating our soul is to be able to to sit under the dew of heaven and and let that rain fall on the marriages. I want to say that when a marriage is refreshed, the children are refreshed. There's no greater time of joy in my children's life than to see me and my wife in uh, a place of like you know, joy and peace because we're satisfied. We're satisfied in, in everything God is doing in our life. Let's sing this song to the Lord and, and you're sitting there and you question. Uh, there, there's many expressions of this thirst because it seems to me that, that once your thirst is quenched at one level, there's the next level. There's the next level. There's the next level. And it, could, it means that, that without God, uh, it's very weary for us to be able to get to the place where, where we're settled. We continue to desire more, desire more, desire more. And, and my friends, I want to tell you that that is today's sickness. There's never enough is never enough. We're always thinking about the things we don't have, the things we have not accomplished, the things that we're in pursuit of. And that is that is sinister. That's super wicked. And to be able to cut back and say, you know something? I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I I thank God for the house that I have, for the roof over my head, for the food on my table, for the children, for there's no infirmities. I'm, I'm satisfied in the goodness of the Lord.
1: Paul is writing
0: to Timothy, and he says that for those that aren't able to rescue, this condition of their soul in Second Timothy two twenty six, I, I just want you to understand when you walk contrary to the expectation, the hope of God, despair and fear and anxiousness will drive you into the devil's grasp that they might come to their senses because if they don't come to the place of understanding to escape the snare of the devil, his trap, his trap is to take you captive to do His will. So, so that, that is the, the depth of why people should be weary of not letting their soul to be driven away from God. Uh, the justification, the Bible says that because of many evil things that occur, the love of many will wax cold. That, that, that breath of the devil that, that leads you away from God. And then you'll be taken captive and you'll end up, this is funny because a lot of people says, oh, I'm not going to do God's will. Well, guess what? You're going to be driven into doing the devil's will. That's that's the sad part. You're not going to be free to do your will. You're going to be taken captive. Your soul will be bound up. And, and you'll begin to walk in the destiny the devil has for you. And the Lord brings this word to make us free. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you we could understand that not only there's a place of rest for our soul, but that our souls can be quenched in you. Can be satisfied in your provision. Give us wisdom to escape the snare of the enemy. Give us wisdom to walk in that giving God the praise for everything. It, uh, your delay is not your denial. Your are asking us to wait is the greater expectation of things coming together to fulfill your desire. So teach us how to walk in this manner, being uplifted. That we could encourage one another to continue to pursue the faithfulness of God for our lives. We give you thanks for what you've been sharing here at the church in the last couple of weeks and months. And we pray, Father God, that this will all culminate in the end of our faith, which is the saving of our souls. We glorify you. We bless you. We pray your blessing upon all families in this church, Lord. Open heavens. That the bounty of your grace and goodness will fall in every expression of provision. And give us a heart to pursue you with oneness of mind. Oneness of purpose. Wholeheartedness, whole-mindedness. That we not split up into various pursuits. But that we seek first the kingdom of God and everything shall be added. We give you thanks in Jesus' name and the house of God says, Amen. 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 Greet one another in the love of the Lord.